journey into a world where nightmare becomes reality. Cries in the Night, more popularly known as Funeral Home, is a 1980 Canadian slasher film directed by William Fruitt. Fruitt directed such films as 1986's Killer Party and 1983's Spasms, as well as television episodes of The Friday the 13th and the War of the World TV series. The movie starred Leslie Donaldson, Kay Hawtrey, Jack Van Evera, Alf Humphreys, and Harvey Atkin. Actress Kay Hawtrey was most well known for movies such as Urban Legend and Videodrome, and Leslie Donaldson starred in other 80s slashers such as Happy Birthday to Me and Curtains. The budget for the film was roughly $1.4 million in Canadian money, and the production was filmed from July 23, 1979 to September 12, 1979. It was shot on location in several cities in Ontario. The building that stood in for the Chalmers funeral home was in actuality not a funeral home. It was a spacious mansion with gables located on Reeser Road in Markham, Ontario, and this house was later used again in an episode of the 1990s Canadian-American horror anthology series Goosebumps as the Odell House in the two-part episode Night of the Living Dummy 3, which Fruitt co-produced. The scenes at the quarry were filmed at the Alora Quarry in Alora, Ontario. This quarry has been a conservation park and public beach since the 1970s, and unlike the Reeser Mansion, can be visited by tourists. According to Leslie Donaldson, actress Kay Hawtrey and director William Fruitt did not get along well, stating that she couldn't stand him. She also recalled Hawtrey being a nervous wreck nearly every morning. Fruitt had a off-the-cuff directing style. He would change things scene by scene at the last minute, and people would have to be ready to show up on the set at a moment's notice to refilm the scene or to film a new scene. The film was released in Eastern Canada in 1981 by Frontier Amusements, opening in Brantford, Ontario on April 24, 1981. The following summer, Motion Picture Marketing re-released it under the alternative title Funeral Home in various cities in the United States, including Salt Lake City, Philadelphia, and Kansas City, Missouri. It was also re-released in its native Canada under its revised title. It screened as Funeral Home in Calgary in July 1982 and in Vancouver in August 1982. The film premiered in Los Angeles on January 28, 1983. The film received mixed reviews. Some of the reviews said the film bore too much resemblance to an earlier horror movie and that it lacked some originality. The film was released on VHS by Vogue Video in Canada in 1982 and Paragon Video in 1983 and again in 1986 as a big box reissue. It was officially released on DVD by Mill Creek Entertainment in 2005. However, this release was sourced from a low-quality VHS transfer, and that was part of the Chilling Classics box set. We got another one. Traveling salesman by the name of Harry Browning. He was supposed to have been through here last weekend, and he hasn't been heard of since. So the guy's a salesman. Maybe he went out to another town. Mm, that was his boss. He was supposed to be back to work Monday morning. The last time they heard from him was five days ago. Telephone from here. Come here anytime. Can't I get inside my head? I don't want that girl in this house sneaking around doing things behind. 
So for the plot of Funeral Home, we basically have Heather. She's a young teen woman, and she is going to visit her grandmother, Mrs. Chalmers. And Mrs. Chalmers is converting her home into a basically an Airbnb. Now, the home used to be a funeral home because her late husband, Mr. Chalmers, who has went missing mysteriously, he used to be a mortician. But Mrs. Chalmers needs to do something with the home to earn money with it or she will lose the home. So Heather is going to help Mrs. Chalmers prepare the home to be an Airbnb, a tourist spot. Soon after that guests begin arriving, they go missing as well. And there's a certain mystery to what's going on in the house, especially with concerning Mr. Chalmers and his disappearance. You know that uh, Mrs. Chalmers, she definitely knows something more than what she's saying. She's maybe hiding something in the cellar and Heather kind of discovers hints and clues about what may be going on. And she does her own little investigation while the police are also investigating disappearances because there has been a rash of disappearances over the last few years, including a real estate developer that came by um, asking to buy the property from Mrs. Chalmers. If you've seen very many horror movies, you kind of know the direction this is going. But like I said earlier, this movie does bear resemblance to another movie, which I'm not going to say because I don't want to spoil this movie. The, uh, the setting, the home, the funeral home itself, it, it's a it's a good setting for a horror movie. The house is pretty creepy. Now, I know that this house was not an actual funeral home, but in the movie, like, Mrs. Chalmers is taking guests at, through a tour of the home, and she says that the living room was a an old, the uh, casket viewing room, and they didn't really change much. It doesn't seem like, you know, as far as decorations and stuff like that. So it really kind of makes you wonder what made them think that anybody would really want to stay there if this house is basically still a funeral home. We meet a, you know, a group of guests. We have, you know, an, an older man that's staying there just for kind of not sure how long he's been there, but he's just there. Then we have a couple that has come in, uh, Mr. Browning and I guess his mistress, Flory. They're staying there for the weekend along with another family. And then we have uh, the Deputy Joe, which he's a familiar face. The actor is Alf Humphreys, and he did movies like uh, uh, First Blood. He was in My Bloody Valentine. He was Howard in My Bloody Valentine. So he was a pretty familiar face. And there was, uh, you know, some of the some of the history of Mr. Chalmers was told in flashbacks. And the actor that played Mr. Chalmers was the older man in My Bloody Valentine that told the story of Harry Warden. So I thought that was kind of a cool cameo for this movie. So this is a slasher movie. It's supposed to be like an early 80s slasher, but kind of the problem is we don't get our first kill until like 30 minutes into the movie. And then our next kill is not until like an hour into the movie. And then we get, you know, another kill after that. But there's really only three kill scenes in this whole movie. And so it's a little bit disappointing you know, this this is supposed to be like an 80s slasher. And I think it came out a little bit before the real heyday of the slashers. Um, you know, like I said, it was filmed in 1979. So it's really even before Friday the 13th that was released. So probably after Friday the 13th, we probably saw slashers really come into their own with a higher body count and more grisly deaths. So this one definitely relies more on the atmosphere and the mystery of the home and 
and Mrs. Chalmers and what she's hiding. And uh, we get get a glimpse of the small town life. We see life in the small town. We see these guests through the locals' eyes, and we see how they are, you know, this they have this tension of wanting tourism dollars, but not really liking that outsiders are coming into their small town. And also we see as Deputy Joe is investigating the disappearances of the people that his boss, the sheriff, is not really interested in investigating anything. He just wants to write them off as people running off, uh, leaving their spouses or whatever. You know, and the killer is interesting because once you find out the twist, it, it's really interesting what they do with the killer. And I'll just kind of leave it at that because you see, you don't, you don't see the face of the killer, but you see them walking around and doing things. And it looks like it's a certain person, but then it may not be that person. And also, there are a lot of... They try to point the finger at a lot of different characters in this movie to be the killer. There are a lot of like red herrings in this. And uh, like I said, there's another character. He's like a caretaker. He, he's a guy that does odd jobs around the house and in the town. His name is Billy. And he's this guy. And I think that what, he, what they're trying to make him out to be is like intellectually disabled. And I don't know why I'm starting to see this trope where we have this caretaker that's has this disability, you know, this mental disability like this. And I don't, I don't understand why this is constantly a trope. And then there's like some woman that's like messing with them, like trying to tease them almost like sexually and stuff like that. There was another movie that I talked about in an earlier episode that does the same thing. And I don't know why this was even a thing. Uh, but I'm kind of glad to see it. we don't see it as much anymore, and I'm really glad because it's just it does it's it's just not a good trope to have in a movie. Uh, it really has no purpose other than just holding certain people in a negative light. There's another element to this movie that's really kind of mysterious. I'm not sure what they're going for, but there's this black cat that shows up all throughout the movie, from the very beginning all the way to the last shot of the movie. And I don't know if it's supposed to signify that the killer is around. Or if it's just supposed to be some other kind of meaning to it, I can't quite figure it out. But uh, I do appreciate the you know the uh, black cat being in the movie. Another cool thing: uh, the killer drives an old truck, and it really reminded me of the truck from Jeepers Creepers. So I liked that. Um, you got some scenes, some kill scenes where the truck is driving up behind some people, and that looks pretty cool. But there's a lot of investigation in this movie. There's not a lot of slashing. There's more investigation. So there's really a pacing issue with this movie. Like I said, there's a twist. But if you really think about it, it's pretty easy to spot the twist early on in the movie or to figure it out. And then at the end, we get like this. As the credits are rolling, we get this explanation from Deputy Joe that we really don't necessarily need. We can kind of tell what happened just from the scenes that we see up to that point but anyway we get an explanation at the very end that's funeral home uh, i was entertained by it i don't mind that you know that it had a pacing issue i thought the movie was entertaining it had some good atmosphere had this kind of late 70s atmosphere uh definitely mysterious uh you know the score was good and so i think if you're a fan of like late 70s horror you probably will appreciate this one um, you know, there are some kill scenes, um, things like that. As far as releases go, there haven't been any quality releases. Basically, the best release, you know, it was released on the Chilling Classics box set. But other than that, it's just basically been on these other generic releases that, that hasn't been there hasn't been any kind of restoration that I can find. 
Um, I did find a pretty good version on YouTube that I watched. Um, they had brightened it up so you could actually see what was happening in some of the darker scenes of the movie. Whereas like the transfer on the Chilean Classics collection, it's hard to see what was going on in some places because just, you know the lighting was too dark. If this sounds interesting, definitely seek it out. Um, I know it's streaming on Amazon Prime and a couple other places, but like I said, you can watch it for free on YouTube. So go check it out. And you've been listening to the World of Horror.